Matthew chapter 16. All right, we'll look at that in just a few moments. Do you, have you ever heard of the term mission creep? Do you know what mission creep is? It's the tendency for some project or operation to exceed its original boundaries and intentions or purpose. Mission creep happens when extra and often non-essential details are added on to that original project. It causes that project or that organization to become less effective. It slows down the process and causes things to creep along or even fail altogether. It's like a weed that silently grows among healthy plants, and you may not even recognize it for some time. Let me give you an extreme example of mission creep. A grocery store owner in England decided that he had to ban customers from his store. He said he was forced to take such drastic action because of people's bad manners. First, he banned smoking. Later, crude language, then baby strollers, pets, and finally, even customers themselves. So shoppers must now look through the window, spot the item they want, and then ring a bell to be served through a small hatch in the door. Not surprisingly, the owner admitted, I have lost business. I cannot really say how much, but I am a man of principles, and I stand by my decision. Clearly, this man had lost sight of his mission as a business. Now, what are some things in our church? Let's discuss this. You can talk back to me. You can share with me. What are some things in our church, even good things, that could become a distraction, that could become a sign of mission creep for us staying focused on our God-given mission? What do you think? Programs. What? Programs. Okay. What else? Programs becoming the main thing we think about. They have to front function exactly a certain way. Good. What else? Yeah. Coffee, hot water, and cocoa. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Some ancillary supplemental things saying, okay, that has to be there, or I can't do church. Gotta have donuts. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Gotta have our desserts, our refreshments. Anybody else? One more? What do you think? How about we just stay insulated and think that we've got to have the most beautiful building? the most perfect programs, that we lose sight that this is about God's people making disciples, sharing the gospel. What is the mission of the church? This is a time of the year where it's important for us to review. This is review. We've heard this before. We've talked about this before. But this is essential. And as a pastor, as a Christian, I need this reminder again. What is it that God has saved us to do? What is essential about who we are as a church? What is essential that we remain committed to? In their book, What is the Mission of the Church? Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert provide us with a helpful, straightforward definition. They write, the mission of the church is to go into the world and make disciples by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit and gathering these disciples into churches so that they might worship and obey Jesus Christ now and in eternity to the glory of God the Father. As followers of Jesus, we are to be making more followers of Jesus. We are disciples, followers of Jesus, 
making more disciples. Theologian Bruce Ware put it this way, our job is to lead people from anywhere and everywhere in the world to see Jesus as the great teacher whom they should want to listen carefully to, learn from, and model their lives after. So I've made a specific statement that we've talked about before. Here's how I'd restate that purpose for our own church. For his glory. Super Road Baptist Church is striving together as a people. That's what the church is. Striving together to develop word-centered followers of Jesus Christ. Now, one of the most common errors for us as a church, for those of us who have been gathering week after week, year after year, is to lose sight of this. It's to believe that somebody else will do what God has commanded each of us to do individually. It's for us to get comfortable, to show up on Sunday, and that's all that discipling is, or that's all that the mission requires. We often give in to the fear of man, or we say we're too busy. We don't have enough opportunity to share the gospel or participate in the lives of other believers. But acceptance of this responsibility was an important factor in the astounding outreach and expansion of the early church. It wasn't just Paul, as we saw in the book of Acts, or the other leaders that carried the gospel to the farthest corners of the Roman Empire. Instead, Christians, normal, ordinary Christians, whoever they were and wherever they were, told others about their Lord. That's how the mission gets done. We've said before, we will be an evangelistic church when we, the church, are evangelistic. Not when we have the right number of programs that does evangelism for us. We'll be an evangelistic church when we, the church, are evangelizing. Look at Matthew 16. We're going to read just briefly uh, verses 13 through 18. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, this, this truth, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, in order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you must recognize who he truly is, as revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, as revealed to you by the scriptures he's communicated to us, and you must follow him. Jesus says in this text, he will build his church on this confession of the apostles. Paul will say the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, those who are communicating the gospel truth. All throughout the book of Acts, throughout the rest of the New Testament, this is the focus of their message. And we read in Acts over and over again in these summary portions, and the word went forward. And the point of Acts is that God is acting and nothing can stop its advance. So what we're doing here when Jesus says, I will build my church, we're just hopping into that stream that is guaranteed to flow in the direction God says it should flow. 
The church does not exist to promote itself or for its members' own self-interest. God has saved us and gathered us into this body intentionally by a sovereign providence in order to bear witness to the grace of God in Christ. That's why we exist. And if we lose sight of that mission, what are we doing other than playing church? We have a responsibility. The church, we as sinners who've been miraculously redeemed by his grace, is the gospel made visible. 1 Peter 2.9, we love this text. We hear it often. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we need to be and remain a church on mission. Colin Marshall and Tony Payne write in The Trellis and the Vine. If this is really what God is doing in our world, listen carefully to their conclusion, then it is time to say goodbye to our small and self-oriented ambitions and to abandon ourselves to the cause of Christ and his gospel. God has a plan that will determine the destiny of every person and nation in the world. And it's unfolding here and now as the gospel of Christ is preached and the Holy Spirit is poured out. So is there anything more vital? Is there anything more important? Is there anything more eternally consequential that we should be doing in our world? They write, it is more important than our jobs, our families, our pastimes, and even more important than the comfort and security of our familiar church life. So what is your responsibility in this mission? How do we plan to accomplish this mission in our church? I want to review tonight just, again, quickly as we move toward our conclusion, our priorities. Our priorities. We, we say them occasionally. Um, we want to continue to focus on them as these are the Bible's way that we accomplish this mission. Worship, build, advance. Our priorities flesh out how we accomplish this mission of making disciples at Subaru Road. Our priority is for every member to worship God with wholehearted devotion. Missions exist, John Piper said, because worship doesn't. We want to call others to worship and recognize and bow before in submission with their entire lives to this great king of kings. We want to invest in the building up of other believers to that same end and to actively engage in every opportunity to advance the gospel. I want you to note that I've included them in your outline as verbs. Worship. You. Worship. You build up the body. You advance the gospel. You see, it's easy for us to say, well, our church will design the programs to do that, and I'm participating happily or contentedly. No, I want you to think when you come, you're a participant, an intentional, active, engaged participant in these priorities. We worship together. Author David Peterson writes, the worship of the living and true God is essentially an engagement with him on his terms that he proposes, and in the way that he alone makes possible. We want that reflected over and over again. That's why we believe that the Bible guides our worship. It instructs us. It gives us the edges for what we do and don't do. It's about him. 
Ultimately, scripture reveals our worship is centered and highlighted in Jesus Christ. Revelation 5, 9, they sing a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you are slain. And by your blood, you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So making this personal, are you growing in your worship? What would that look like? Is, is your passion to exalt God together with his people deepening? Are you growing in valuing that gathering that we do each and every Sunday? Second, build. Do you believe it's your individual and personal responsibility to help invest in the health and growth of this body of believers? How are you doing that? Scripture tells us it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. 1 Peter 4.10 tells us we're to use the gifts God gave us, not for ourselves, not for self-exaltation, but to serve others, serve our brothers and sisters. Paul tells us to actively participate in the building up of the body in Ephesians 4. Verse 11, it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints. That's you for the work, the service of ministry. For building up the body of Christ. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together. We're working together. Do you hear that missional idea? By every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly makes the body grow. Francis Chan writes in his book Multiply. Why is it that we see so little disciple making taking place in the church today? Do we really believe that Jesus told his early followers to make disciples, but wants the 21st century church to do something different? None of us would claim to believe this, but somehow we've created a church culture where the paid ministers do the ministry and the rest of us show up, put some money in the plate and leave feeling inspired or fed. We've moved so far away from Jesus' command that many Christians don't have a frame of reference for what disciple-making looks like. Now, he's, he's writing that to the church, evangelical church in America. I'm grateful, largely, that doesn't sound like Subaroad Baptist Church. But there's still places in my heart, in your heart, where I, I, I want to do my own thing. Or I have my priorities, and investing in other people, that's somehow farther down on the list than it should be. We have to understand that making disciples is far more than a program. It's life on life contact. It's the design that Jesus created for this church. It's to be what we invest our lives in. It's reading scripture together. It's working through a helpful Christian book together or regularly meeting to share burdens or an area of struggle. It's praying for one another. Why do you think there's so many one another commands in our New Testament? Because we don't go this alone. If you're wondering where God would have you start to serve, don't consider a program of the church first. We need help with our programs. So consider it, but don't consider it first. God has called you to invest in the church, the people of God. So find another believer and make a commitment to meet on a regular basis. You're going to hear that emphasized here over and over and over again if we're clear on what the mission is. Thirdly, advance. 
We heard this scripture passage read this morning, Isaiah 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. He's called us to participate in this victorious advance of the gospel. We are encouraged, even as we hear brothers and sisters who went and put this into practice over the Christmas holidays. We're encouraged as we hear the word of God applied to us to continue to see the gospel advance through our own words. We're commanded in 1 Peter 3.15 to be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with gentleness and respect. God has given us an abundance, a wealth of resources. If you want to help learn how to share your faith, we would love to help you in that way. If you would want to put that into practice, here's a great way to do that. We have a soup kitchen ministry coming up soon. You can participate there. You can speak to any of the elders and ask them, how do I get involved in this? How do I grow in this? Would you be willing to help me grow in this or read a book with me? There are plenty of other believers sitting around you who'd be eager and willing to encourage and help equip you. So based on even the questions that we heard in application this morning, how are you planning to share gospel this year? Are you praying for that? Will you be engaged in gospel advance? In 1990, Greer as a city's population was just over 10,000 people. That number topped 25,000 in 2010. Greer's current rate of growth is 8.57% annually, And as of 2024, population is 49,738. Its population has increased by almost 40% since the most recent census, which recorded a population of 36,000 in 2020. We are a growing city. The city of Greer has grown more than twice as fast as nearby Greenville, Spartanburg area adding 22,000 people in the last 18 years. Do you think God has placed us here by accident? God has called us to make disciples in the city of Greer and Taylor's, our Jerusalem, and I believe we're well equipped to obey our master's commands and thrive as a body of Christ. Almost 50,000 people in Greer. There are over 534,000 people in Greenville County. Right? Is that our Judea? With approximately 250 gospel preaching churches, very loosely speaking. That means if we had accomplished the mission of Christ, then every one of those 250 churches would have over 2,100 people in attendance, actively serving, actively worshiping, actively building up other believers, actively sharing the gospel. So our mission is to give every single man, woman, and child, believer and unbeliever alike, repeated opportunities to see the gospel and how we act and speak. The need, even in a religious southern area like Greenville, is still very great. 
helpful book on the mission of the church very clearly summarizes Christ's focus for every believer and every church. The author's right, it's included there on your handout about the Great Commission. It's a commission that makes disciple making the normal agenda and priority of every church and every Christian disciple. Thus, the goal of Christian ministry is quite simple and in a sense measurable. Are we making and nurturing genuine disciples of Jesus Christ? This is what faithfulness is measured by. That's our application. When we come to the end of this year, 2024, we're headed for political turmoil. We're headed for who knows what else, maybe economic turmoil. But honestly, compared to this mission, what does that matter? Truly. When we come to the end of the year, will we be able to say that as individual believers, as a congregation, we have been faithful to pursue this mission. At the end of our lives, as we thought about Psalm 90, we have 70, maybe 80 years in general. Isn't this how we want to evaluate our faithfulness to him? Isn't this part of what it means to number our days? So the question we started with, with the idea of mission drift, have you drifted from your divinely ordained purpose as a follower of Jesus Christ? Let's close our time now or close our service with prayer, asking for God's help. Our great God in heaven, you are almighty. You have called us into a work that cannot fail because the king of all the ages has promised us that he will build his church. And you, in your wisdom, and we don't understand it, in your kindness, in your mercy, call us to join you in that mission. We're to be a missionary people because you're a missionary God. Because you love to pursue sinners like us, we should be eager to pursue sinners the same way. Father, we need to grow. So we need to invest in the building up of this body of believers. Our purpose in life is to give you glory. So we need to grow in our worship. May it be clear and intentional and passionate and a collective of our voices joining together, giving you praise for who you are and what you do. And may we share this good news. It's so easy for us to become complacent, to be so busy with such lesser things, to be busy with even good things that we don't do the main thing. Father, help us to know how to grow. Help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to look carefully at the mission of our King and consider, are we serving as you've called us to serve? Are we living as you've saved us to live? Do you have all of us? Father, we pray that you would convict us. You'd help us to turn from ourselves and our idols where we are serving them. You'd help us to make much of our King, Jesus Christ, in our hearts, in our worship, in our conversations, in our witness. In Jesus' name, amen.